Welcome to Weekend in Drama Land, the official podcast of It Started with a KDrama.com. We are dedicated Asian drama lovers that are ready to spread our wings and bring our love for dramas to a whole new media platform. Together, we watch a blend of Korean, Chinese, Taiwanese, Japanese, and Thai dramas. On occasion, Filipino dramas as well. As best friends in real life, it's only fitting that we get to share our love for crazy tropes, chocolate abs, killer OSTs, and so much more with all of you. So sit back, relax, close your eyes, and let us guide you through the world of all things Asian dramas. I'm your host, Andrea. And I'm your co-host, Tiff. As a disclaimer, we're native English speakers. While we're expert drama watchers, we are not expert speakers with our languages. We are bound to fail at some pronunciations, so please don't mind our mistakes too much. We will strive to do our best and learn from our errors. In time, we are confident we'll improve. Today's topic is about Crazy Rich Asians. Now, we're a little late with reviewing this because my apartment got flooded here in Pennsylvania, especially where I live. We have massive flooding from like rain just coming down like crazy. So between cleaning up and then my brother getting sick, I couldn't let anyone in. So now we shall begin it. Yes, eventually. And on the way to the movie theater, we got caught in torrential downpours as well. So it's like we can't escape the rain trying to literally rain on our parade. Mm Mm-hmm. So when Andrew suggested to go see it with a a fellow friend of ours, I'm like, well, I've never heard of this before. I'm like, it has the word Asians in it. That, of course, caught my attention. But it definitely exceeded my expectations. It was hilarious. A lot of beautiful scenery. Of course, the men there were very beautiful too. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I really liked the story though. It is based off of the first book in a trilogy. Um, The gentleman that wrote it is Kevin Kwan. And the movie, the title is the same as the book. Okay, so basically for any of you that are not familiar with either the book or the movie, that's okay. We haven't read the book. We don't know anything about it. But I'll give a quick synopsis from Warner Brothers of what it's about so you know what we're about to get into. The story follows native New Yorker Rachel Chu as she accompanies her boyfriend, Nick Young, to his best friend's wedding in Singapore. Excited about visiting Asia for the first time, but nervous about meeting Nick's family, Rachel is unprepared to learn that Nick has neglected to mention a few key details about his life. It turns out that he is not only the scion of one of the country's wealthiest families, but also one of its most sought-after bachelors. Being on Nick's arm puts a target on Rachel's back with jealous socialites and worse, Nick's own disapproving mother taking aim, and it soon becomes clear that while money can't buy love, it can definitely complicate things. So yeah, it's a pretty good synopsis. But there's like so much more to the movie than just the disapproving family and the jealous women. So where do we begin? Well, first thing is the cast is actually all Asian. Mm-hmm. So we have an Asian starring cast in a romantic comedy. Which they said hasn't been done for like 23 years since the Joy Luck Club. Actually, it was done in 1993, being the, uh, featuring the all-Asian cast for a Hollywood movie. Yeah. Which is shocking being that, how do I put this gently, a lot of Asian girls are whitewashed. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. 
So that's really cool. So speaking of the cast, phenomenal cast. Um, what's her name? I- Aquafina. We were, we were, we were going to oh. get to her. We are going to get to that lovely, okay. lovely woman. I love her. Oh my goodness. Um, and Ken Jeong. The, the I'm getting there too. Man. I'm getting there. <laughs> but no, um, the actress that plays Eleanor Young, which is Nick's mom, is Michelle Yeoh. And of course, Tiff was looking at her in the movie and I'm like, I know this woman. She's really familiar, but who the heck is she? And the actress looks at me she's like, don't you remember watching, um... Hidden Dragon Crouching Tiger. I'm like, oh, it's the kick-ass yeah. chick. Yes, finally. Yes. But of course, I shouldn't call her a chick. She is a mature woman who is, like, she is so talented. I was reading up on, like, some stuff about her. She absolutely amazing. So, yeah, I was like, it was taking me part trying to figure it out. But anyway, yes, we'll mention Aquafina. All right. The character of Paiklin. She is Rachel's college friend, played by Aquafina. Oh, my gosh. Like, she stole the show. Yes. <laughs> I think without Girl Pecklin's character, I don't know if the story would have been as strong as it was. Because just her comedic addition to the story. And, like, her, forgive my vulgarity, but her no fucks given attitude. Like, <laughs> I love her. I really do. Um, but, yeah, I, I just really liked how funny she is. How, like, she had emergency party clothing in the trunk of her car yeah like different dresses yeah like she's got her stuff together yeah she's like prepared for any situation Mm Mm-hmm. yeah like she was my absolute favorite character and um some other characters that i really liked was astrid leong tio she is nick's cousin i felt so bad for her character being that her husband was a two-timer and frankly he was lacking balls Yes, politely. especially the fact that he made her feel so insecure because of her wealth. So then she has to hide things that she buys, which is just so that she doesn't make him feel bad. And like, that's a sign that relationship isn't going to last. Exactly. Like, why should she be ashamed of her own money? It wasn't like she was buying a thousand things, but if it's her money, she should be allowed to buy what she wants. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, but- I don't know what the big deal with it either. I don't know. Maybe in the book it elaborates better. But he was a cheating scumbag anyway, so. Not much of a man. She even told him that, that he wasn't much of a man. I agree. Yeah. It's just a shame that they have a a kid together. Yeah, the poor little dude. And now talking about, of course, Ken Jeong. Oh my gosh. He plays uh, Y. Mon, which is Paiklin's father, and... (laughs) Oh my gosh. Just the two of them... Yeah, together. And actually, um, the line he says about Paiklin becoming the Asian uh, Ellen, that originally was not actually in the script. script. Yeah. What happened is um, Aquafina was going to have a bunch of different wigs throughout the movie. And when she put on that, the blonde one, he called her the Asian Ellen. And they decided they wouldn't keep that wig for the entire movie. And it they just put the line. stuck. And I think it just made her character because it just. <laughs> fit her like quirky crazy Zaniness. personality mm-hmm. it was perfect fit <laughs> yeah exactly it was just too funny <laughs> uh see anyone else that like really stood out for me oh oliver we cannot forget oliver yes our rainbow sheep yes you know i'm not the type of person who, like to fetishize gay characters or anything like that's not it like but he was just funny but he was also such a good friend 
to Rachel, really trying to help her find out like what really would look nice on her and also to stick it to his family. Yes. I loved his personality. Like he was a world apart from the rest of his cousins who are mm-hmm. all about money and all these fancy things like the women and... Well, being that he doesn't like women. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> but no, but it's just that he was a really nice guy and he genuinely cared about Rachel. Mm-hmm. He felt very down to earth. Mm-hmm. So and it wasn't was, surprising when Rachel kind of stepped was, to his side. Yeah, he was basically her fairy godfather for like a lot of the outfits. And then like when him and Piglin teamed up together, they were like the power team. Yes. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I, I really liked Oliver. Uh to here. Well then of course there was uh Colin and Araminta, which were the uh, two that were getting married, Colin was Nick's childhood friend, and that's why they even came over to Singapore in the first place with for Colin and Araminta's wedding. And I like that Araminta was just so friendly and open to Rachel. Yeah, they just all got along well, mm-hmm. which was nice because there was so much other conflict in the story. Which we'll get to. Oh, I can't wait to get about the fish. Oh, the fish. But yeah, like, it was just really nice. But, like, you can really feel for Rachel because she's thrown into this, like, foreign situation, literally, being that, you know, she's in Singapore and she spent her entire life in the U.S. And she literally knows nothing going into it. Mm-hmm. The family is that filthy rich. Yeah. She has no idea about their culture and how they go about things. It's a completely new world to her. Exactly. And they don't let her forget that she is an outsider. At every moment, they make her feel really, really crappy. I mean, there was times where, like, the grandmother seemed to really like her, but towards the end of the movie... You see that... That woman, all she cares about is someone's pedigree. And unfortunately for Rachel, her family life is not as she thought it was. There was a lot of... scandal. Yeah, I would say there's scandal. But like, you feel really bad for the mother because of being in a really crappy marriage. But uh, cheating on your husband, bad man or not, is a no-no. At least from a moral standpoint. So poor Rachel, she got chased out because actually she was the product of an affair. And because of that, the grandmother made it very clear she had to go bye-bye. And to be fair, Nick's mother was just as bad, if not worse, Mm -hmm. than the grandmother. Because at every point you saw how much she disliked Rachel and how much she was doing everything in her power to get her gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wonder if she actually teamed up with the grandmother to do the private investigation or if that was just a grandmother doing it on her own. I don't recall offhand, but I know, but she seemed quite pleased that Rachel ran away pretty much in tears. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was actually really disappointed in the grandmother. It really made me sad to see where she was actually kind of seemed like really taken with Rachel, really liked her and thought she was a good fit. And then all of a sudden, I like the snap of the fingers... She gets this information and she literally turns into this dragon lady. Mm-hmm. But it seems that's the way that this family matriarch is. She wants everything to be acceptable and perfect. And you know, it's just really sad. And then you find out later on that um, the grandmother never approved of Nick's mother ever. In fact, she wouldn't even let Nick's father propose with the family ring. Nick's father had to go get a ring made for um, Eleanor. So that was really sad. But there's a lot of really crazy hijinks going on in the movie. There's a mutual friend of Colin and Nick's whose name I forget, but this dude is like a huge party boy and they end up having the bachelor party on this a yacht, boat. Yeah. Like, like, I guess it's the yacht, but it looked bigger than the yacht. It looked like a freaking battleship. massive, yeah. It was huge. <laughs> 
And they were having a full-blown party on this boat. Everything you can imagine. But it seemed that um, Colin was not really feeling it. And neither with Nick. They both end up escaping, which was yeah. quite funny. Because they're a lot more low-key and, and modest. And mature. And mature. That was just very juvenile, the party. And yeah, that party's more for like little teenage boys that just want to see boobies. It really was. <laughs> but then, you know, for the bachelorette party... Like, that was kind of interesting where Araminta gave them a time limit and they had to go pick out clothing. It was different. And um, Rachel, I think she was hanging out with Astrid a bit. But it was so sad when Rachel went back to her little villa and there was a big, dead, cut-open fish on her bed. And on, I don't know if it was a mirror above the bed or a window, it had some not-so-nice things written. Yeah, basically that she's a gold-digging gold bitch. Yeah. yeah. And all that... The ex-girlfriend, who I think she's a lawyer or something, she was really getting her spurs into Rachel, too. Yeah, she was pretending on the surface that she was really nice and accepting of Rachel. When really, behind the scenes, she's really trying to get Rachel going so she can have Nick for herself again. Yeah, a lot of the girls were talking trash behind Rachel's back, and it was just really, really sad. It is to see just how cruel people are, and I think... One of the reasons that the movie did as well as it did was, okay, even though the cast is Asian, all of the things that are happening in it are very, like, relatable. To any culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's all things every culture experiences with the, the socialites who look down upon anyone who is poor or not even as wealthy. As they are. Mm -hmm. It felt very much like a K-drama, actually. Yeah, it did. Like the whole setup and the the formula to the plot. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think what it reminded me. It reminded me of a certain K-drama where... uh, Actually, you know what? It reminded me more of a book we read by uh, the self-published mother and daughter. Uh, What on earth are their names? I have the book here. K-Love? K-Love. Yeah. Yeah. We went to a... uh, what do they consider it? Like a little... Kind of, it was a little convention. Yeah. At, NerdCon, uh, Yeah. It. At a library. A couple... Last April. Yeah, like a couple... Like, how many miles away? Like 40, 50 miles away? Yeah. Maybe something like that. Yeah. But it was a cute... It was at a nice little library, and they had different stuff, and there was... One of the people there was a mother-daughter, and they wrote a book called Caleb, and it had a lot of the tropes of a K-drama, and it reminds me a little bit of that. It was really good. I... For life of me cannot think of their names. I know that Andrea and I did a review on the blog, so you had to look up for Kalov, but you had a little bit of that, where, like, the mother's really scheming, and, you know, that the, uh... Well, was Devin and Cornwall are their pen names. Yes! But yeah, it was really cool, because the reason that I stumbled across the book in the first place was the daughter actually started commenting on my blog. It started with a kdrama.com. So I naturally ended up following their blog. And when I found out that they were having a convention and it's literally we're from the same state. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the odds when you're looking for, you know, more K-drama people to reach out to? Mm-hmm. They're really nice. And they were even playing some clips from K-dramas on like the TV screen. Because they had it hooked up to, or not TV screen, it was like the laptop. But yeah, like they're really cool people. So check them out. Anyway. Yes, and I actually have that book recommended on my blog. If you go to the sidebar, I have a K-drama book recommendation, and I actually have K-Love 
right there on the sidebar. You can click right on the image and it'll take you right to Amazon and you can even buy it. I do have a synopsis right under the picture so you can kind of see what it's about. But yeah, probably one of my favorite books that I've read so far that kind of catered to the K-drama Asian tropes. Mm -hmm. That's a hair. What else can we think of? There was like a lot of just, you just see the high society like at the parties that Rachel accompanies Nick. But it's just really lovely, like the outfits, the way they decorate things. Like It, it was just, so beautiful and absolutely. everyone was stunning. It was just mm-hmm. a magnificent production absolutely. for $30 million budget. And I, if I remember correctly, they made way more than what they even put in. So I'm so happy. Yeah, that. I think they're I think domestically they're over hundred and seventeen million and globally I think they're like around hundred and thirty million. And this has only been open since you know, what was that? It was somewhere around August twenty second. It was somewhere around towards the end of August. Mm-hmm. And I mean this is still killing it at the box office. It's so, so I can't good. recommend it enough. I want to see it again. Yes, that's actually opening um, up the eyes of, you know, people in Hollywood to realize that, yes, you are ignoring an important market. You keep regurgitating remakes and all of this uncreative content. Mm -hmm. Plus the whitewashing of these roles, like in Ghost in the Shell, they're Asian. They are not white people. So stop casting white people for a character that is Asian. Absolutely. I would it's really, very disrespectful. I mean, I am a white woman, but you know, if the character I'm reading the book or whatever is of Asian descent, please. Yes. There are plenty of qualified and talented Asian actors and actresses. I would like to see them portray the role that it was written for. So, yeah, and that is actually a complaint I did read because some of the uh, actors and actresses in this movie were not racially pure. Now, to me... I don't care about that because, like, I don't need to have a, a Chinese character be 100% Chinese or something like that. But as long as, you know, the actor and actress is of Asian descent and can play the character well enough, I have no problem. But then again, from what I understand, over in Asian countries, they like to see people be the correct racial identity. So, mm-hmm. Which those can little- be very, very tricky. Mm-hmm. But I think that it was wonderfully casted. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, at least they're all Asian, even if it doesn't come down to the right. Yeah. Same thing with like Star Trek, like... where they're complaining because Sulu this time was played by a Korean actor instead of a Japanese one. Like, still he's representing the Asian people. He is of Asian descent. So it's better than, you know, putting a white person playing Sulu. I mean, you should be happy. Plus, I really enjoy, uh, I forgot the name already. Played Harold and Harold Kumar. Forgot his name already. Oh no. Um, was that John, John Cho? Yeah, yes. John Cho. Yeah, I think he's adorable. So I liked him as Sulu. But anyway, um, but yeah, so like that was the major people things that people were complaining about. I just really liked it. I like everything yeah. about it. I said before, Aquafina. Oh my gosh, if I ever got to meet her, I would just hug her and say, "You are so awesome." She's hilarious. Oh. And what's funny for me is before this movie, I'm like, "Who is Aquafina?" Because. I'll be real. I don't follow too many like entertainment things in the U.S. Whether it's you know TV, movies, music. So I was surprised to find out she was a rapper because, like I said, I've been so immersed in Asian culture lately that sometimes I forget some of the things happening in our own neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. So I was really surprised. I thought that she really did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. 
becoming her character and creating such a unique personality that stood out. That's why I said she had to be my favorite. Mine too. She was just so much funny stuff. Like, yeah. Um, I did like at the end of the movie where Eleanor and Rachel were playing Mahjong. And it was really important. Like, I didn't know in Mahjong that what certain winning, I don't know what the proper term, like tiles are. But apparently at the very end, Rachel discarded the tile that would have had her win and let Eleanor win as showing self-sacrifice. And she even said to Eleanor that, you know, when Nick would be married and having children that... She remembered that it was all owed to a single American girl who put away her happiness so that he could have... Exactly. She made the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, because this was after he had proposed, but Rachel had said no. And um, it's really interesting at the very end when Rachel and her mother... Her mother came because Rachel was so depressed over it. And she stayed at Lynn's, Like, she just hibernated in the bed. Anyway, so, like, Rachel and her mother were going back to the U.S. And Nick just... Oh, he just comes on the plane and he proposes again. But this time, instead of just being a random ring, he has his mother's engaged beautiful emerald ring. Yeah, it's just like, what a moment to tie it in after everything Rachel's gone through. That at the end, she was ready to give it all up and her mother finally recognized her sacrifice. Yeah, Nick's mother realized, you know, just like how the grandmother does not like Eleanor and it took a very long time to even accept Eleanor. I think even just looking at the grandmother, I don't think she never fully accepted Eleanor. No. You could kind of tell, but it was just nice that Eleanor realized that this girl was absolutely genuine and that she's not like all these gold digging girls that guess flocking around Nick. It was just nice that she really got to understand Rachel mm-hmm. and said, no, that's what he wants and that's what he wants. And I love that from the very beginning, Rachel was very authentic and loved Nick purely even before she knew that he was filthy rich. Yeah, like she didn't find out until they were on the airplane. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of really like pushed my buttons when everybody just assumed, oh, that she was a gold digger. Mm-hmm. When it was just really, Rachel was so out of the loop that she had no idea that Nick was from such a prominent family. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like everybody around her knew, but somehow she remained clueless. Yeah, I think that Nick probably told them not to say anything. <laughs> I almost forgot to mention the uh, dumpling scene. That was so cute, how they're all making dumplings together. Yeah. I like dumplings. But I just thought it was neat because I, I was reading that like they actually learned how to make the dumplings themselves. Like, they actually, actually, actually made the actual dumplings themselves. So cool. There was something else I wanted to mention. But what was it? Mm. There were so many great things. I know. It was just like so many different <laughs> scenes. So many different interactions with the characters. I know at the very end, Astrid saw a man in the bar that she seemed interested in. I did read up actually who he is. Yeah. I'm not giving out spoilers in that because I want to read the books. Um, anything else? Oh, the actual wedding for uh, Araminta and Colin. Oh my gosh. Araminta was so beautiful walking down this like river and they released, what was it? There's something that like was released and it was like, it was so magical. Because um, like the wedding like had like tropical stuff and like it was seriously just, it blew my mind. It was, it was like this. Like, seriously, that wedding scene was just beyond amazing. I was like, wow, if I ever had, like, some kind of tropical wedding, I would want it to be to that scale. And yeah, it wasn't even that it was outdoors. It was inside of a church, but it was just so beautiful. And, like, the water trickling down, and there was, like, stuff 
like floating in the water and she's walking barefoot with this dress. Ugh. Yeah. I think that was like the coolest wedding that I've ever seen. Yeah, me too. It's like creative because usually there's nothing wrong with the standard wedding, but you can definitely tell they threw their money into that wedding. Mm-hmm. It was just magical and enchanting. Mm-hmm. Like I like my never in my wildest dreams have I ever envisioned someone's wedding being like that. That was just so cool. I've never been to a wedding, so maybe that's why. But <laughs> I've been in one wedding. But yeah, that looked just really neat. Anything else? I'm trying to think. There was just so much that was going on. And of course, I was kind of drinking that night, so I kind of missed a little bit of it because I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a good girls' night out. Yeah. Long overdue. Mm-hmm. Learn my lesson. No more vodka before going to the movie theater. <laughs> and for the record, I'm 30, so it's legit. Um... <laughs> I think one thing I want to mention when you were speaking about like complaints, one of the odd complaints, I actually saw it on IMDb Mm -hmm. where the review said that uh, they don't understand why people view it as a romantic comedy because there was no romance in it and saying that, you know, do you not understand romance? And I'm like, well, our main characters are in love and they're together, whether, you know, it's a sexual relationship or not, doesn't matter. But Mm -hmm. there was that romantic element throughout the whole series with them trying to be together and him meeting her, meeting Nick's family. Mm hmm. Like, that's pretty romantic how he was so kind to her. He was taking care of her, reassuring her. I mean, obviously, whoever wrote that did not understand that romance is not one set way. And romance is shown with people in all different kinds of ways, with different actions. Sometimes it's not the verbal, but the actual emotional and physical things. That actually makes no sense to me why it can't be yeah, a rom-com. And there was the- lots of comedy. I was laughing. There was. But it was just the romantic element they were complaining about. And I was like, I, I tried to like step outside my box to make sure I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have blinders on and just love the movie. But I took a step back and I'm like, I still don't understand what you mean that there is no romance in it. Maybe. See, being that this is um, an, an Asian style story, maybe it's just the fact that their romance isn't like American romance. American romance is where people are humping left and right and just being really vulgar. Maybe that's what they don't, they confused romance with vulgar sexuality. I don't know. Maybe that's what <laughs> yeah, it is. If they don't no see idea. people making out and having dry humping or whatever, they don't think that's romance. Yes, they're very modest about how they display mm-hmm. their affection. Exactly. Or as you would say in Korea, they would call it skinship. Well, yeah, skinship. So, like, maybe that's what the problem is. It's a cultural thing where they feel that unless, you know, people are have their hands on each other and doing lewd things that it can't be romance unless they're doing that. Yeah. I don't know. I felt it was very romantic. Weird. It was just the, the looks he would give her, the smiles. I mean, that's spoke more than words. I Exactly. I'm like, this is classic rom-com material. Absolutely. So, I, don't know. I mean, everyone's got their own opinion, I guess, and I guess we'll just go with that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I also noticed a complaint that there wasn't any Singlish. I was reading up about that, and supposedly, like, in Singapore, they don't really want people speaking Singlish anyway. They actually have some type of um, program that uh, to stop people from doing that. So I guess they were just complaining because they want more authenticity. Yeah, I heard that there were some things that weren't like accurate to like Singapore and Probably. such. But I think you're going to have limitations with any drama mm-hmm. or any movie, any kind of production with trying to be authentic as possible. But it, it felt very 
Asian and culturally diverse. No, I mean, of course, I'm white and not Asian, but we've spent quite some time immersed in Asian culture that we have picked up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely not American culture, tell you much. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, for it being a taste of it, even to be worldwide cast, I mean, that's huge. And maybe with this being experienced by all that's watching, maybe it'll draw more interest at having more movies like this. That'd be nice. That's what I was hoping. I know, mm-hmm. like, writers and stuff, they're pitching more of their screenplays and such to networks and, like, look at this. You know, are you going to take me seriously now? Which is great because it kindly finally seems like maybe Hollywood is opening the door mm-hmm. and being more culturally diverse. So not only with just Asian culture, but I hope that they do it with other cultures as well mm-hmm. to be more open to embracing. Because, I mean, that's what America is. We're not any one race. We're a hodgepodge of everything. Or a melting pot, as yeah. one had called. I forget who it was. But yeah, I feel like more culturally diverse stuff. I mean, they had uh, the Black Panther, where it was mostly people of African descent. That was wonderful. So I think that Hollywood should be more open. And I was watching a little bit of a comedy special with Margaret Cho. And she actually is involved with Fresh Off the Boat. And it's nice seeing yes. that they're having more available stuff for Asian casts and Asian shows. So I'm hoping that we'll have more opportunities in mainstream media to actually experience it. Yeah. So I was actually hoping maybe even Netflix jumps in the game. In the fa- in the past few years, they've definitely expl- expanded their, like, uh... The, the titles that they're yeah. having airing. Yeah. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of Asian stuff. Like, at the beginning, a few years ago, there was, like... A good handful of, like, Korean, but then there started to be, like, uh, a ton of Chinese and, and twi- Taiwanese mm-hmm. and dramas I, were and popping I, up. and Yeah, I saw one for Singapore, too. Mm-hmm. There were even, more recently, I mentioned on my blog that they even started putting some Thai dramas on there, which was which was really shocking because I didn't expect it, and I just happened to be lucky because... I do watch some Thai dramas or Lacorns, and I had recognized the titles. So they're definitely expanding on Netflix, and I hope that they see this and capitalize on this door being opened mm-hmm. to spread the culture. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if they'd also, I know this is, we're supposed to be talking about Asian, but I'd like to see like African shows. I, I, I want, like, I love the world. I want to see more about everyone's culture. Show me, because reading the book is biased. Come out, show me actually what's going on. Show me what you guys yeah. do, what you like. Yes, culture is fascinating. And I just, uh-huh. I don't want to have preconceived notions of, oh, you're from here. So this must be true. And it's not, especially in like history books here in America. History books are very um, biased. <laughs> so please teach a stupid American actually what your people are about. Yes, because we love to embrace culture. Exactly. Everyone's beautiful on this planet, so tell me about yourself. Mm-hmm. So, any finishing thoughts? Well, I guess what I can say is if you haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians yet, and it's still in theaters, you need to go and see it. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you're going to want to like the rom-com format. If you don't, it's probably really not going to be to your taste. You know, if you're more into, like, action or fantasy, 
it might not be to your liking. But if you can, if you like, or can at least appreciate a good old rom-com, then this is a great place to start. Because if you didn't know, last year in Hollywood, there wasn't a single rom-com released. And that's because the numbers over the years have been dwindling on rom-coms. And in the 90s and the early 2000s, they were like huge blockbuster hits. But like I said, it was another sign of just this lack of creativity in Hollywood. Plus, the superhero movies have taken over a lot. It's just everything. And and not that I don't mind mm-hmm. the superheroes. I mean, they're great. But I don't want every single movie coming out every single year to be another comic book hero brought to life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great. I just don't want them to beat a dead horse. Because it, it kind of gets a little sickening. No, I mean, if you're a diehard comic book fan, I'm sure it doesn't bother you that much. But for me, I'm kind of over that wave and would wish we see some more different things going on, which is Mm -hmm. why we sought out crazy rich Asians in the first place. Because, hey, the Asian culture is right up our alley and our interest. So finally, Hollywood's giving us a bone. I know. So I guess we'll just leave it off there. Okay, so I guess we're going to end it there. I can find my outro. Eh, we just have to get the recorded thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, another thing I want to add while Tiff is over there shuffling papers. I found it! I wanted to add that I just yesterday posted on the blog a post of um, with a poll. We are looking to start another drama that we can podcast about like we did with What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. So I put together like five different dramas. Three of them are Korean, one is Chinese, and one is Thai, just to kind of round out the list a bit. So if you'd go to it started with a kdrama.com and if you look at the most recent posts and if any of them are interesting to you, then go ahead and select one. Now you can only pick one, you can't have multiple selections. And I'm only running this poll until Sunday when it closes. So if everyone can pop on there after they finish this podcast, that would be awesome because we're just looking for direction for a new drama to start so that we can do a podcast. And I mentioned on my post on the blog that there really won't be any losers because I said we'll try to also pick up one that we can actually physically post about in the written form on the blog to talk about as we're watching. So if you could definitely pop on there and make a choice, I have included a synopsis of each drama to give you a feel of what we're looking for. So thank you in advance and Hopefully, by next time, we'll be starting a new podcast review. If you made it this far, we must have done something right. Thank you for watching and supporting our podcast, which is hosted by Castos. If anyone has any suggestions for future segments, like Andrew just said before, or recommendations for other shows to watch, please feel free to leave us a comment on the blog. It started with a kdrama.com. If you have the time, please also take a moment to rate this podcast and leave us comments. We are available through Castos, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Until next time, annyeong! Annyeong!